Hello and welcome to our latest episode of the Talking Heads podcast with me, Saul Walker. And me, Lucy Chamberlain. We can collectively heave a huge sigh of relief. Spring is here! Gardens up and down the UK are revealing glimpses of the season to come and this gentle crescendo of colour will only get better as the weeks and months pass by. Snowdrops, aconites, cyclamen and hellebores will gradually give way to irises, crocuses, daffodils and fritillaries. These displays, whilst diminutive in stature, are brazen in colour. And let's not forget the more sizeable camellias, azaleas and rhododendrons, along with forsythias, shenomalies, wisteria, cherries, lilacs and a plethora of other less mainstream plants. As spring unfurls, we're in for a guaranteed sensory bombardment. With discussions about all these plants and many more on the cards, join us now as we transport you into the busy and exciting world of the modern head gardener. Hello everyone, present day Saul here. Apologies for interrupting the podcast so soon, but I wanted to say sorry for the quality of my audio in this podcast. No, I wasn't recorded in a submarine. I just didn't have my proper microphone with me at the time. So sorry again, back on with the episode. Hello everyone, it's the last week in May, so the last week of spring, and there's only one word I'm going to describe my garden at the moment, and I'm sure all yours is bonkers. <laughs> it's growing. We have weeds, we've got pruning, we've got deadheading, we've got Chelsea chopping, we've got everything under the sun happening all at once, and uh, I'm feeling quite um, overwhelmed by it all. But today was a good day, got on with a fair few jobs. And uh, yeah, the word is bonkers. And talking of bonkers, over in Essex, <laughs> we have yeah. the lovely Lucy. Hi. Yeah, do you know what? <laughs> I am at the minute. I've had one of those days. I had to go, I was saying to you before, again, we press record, I had to go to Beth Chateau today. Oh, lovely. To the gardens, because it's my local lovely garden. And I've actually joined to become a um, an annual member Ooh. because it's, I feel like I just need, this time of year, every now and then you just need to run away and hide somewhere. Uh, and that's what I did today. <laughs> it was lovely for two hours. It was only two hours of my life, but my goodness, it did me the world of good. It was um, just tranquil. Yeah, uh, lovely. Just walking around all those meandering paths, looking at the beautiful planting. Had a chocolate brownie and a cup of coffee. Always does the job for me as well. And yeah, sometimes you've got to step away from it all, haven't you? And just look at life. You know, funny enough, yes, you're right that, about that. We we have lots, and uh, I would say, I know both you and me are in the middle of quite a busy period in our lives, both professionally, personally, <laughs> just so much going on. And it, it's the same every year for gardeners. That April, May, June triumvirate of months is always really busy. But one of the nice things about gardens is you can get away, especially if you go to a garden that you're not really associated with. If you go to another garden, like I would like go to the garden house yes. up to Rosemore, to another garden and just have a chance rather than to think about, oh, what am I going to weed? How am I going to mow the lawns? Just think about mm -hmm. sitting there and enjoying it. So I can highly recommend to anyone if they're having a really crappy day, get out to a garden yes. in your local area and just enjoy it. That's what I was going to say. I think anyone, any gardener worth their sort at the moment is going to be pulled left, right and centre. Yeah. And um, maybe you enjoy that feeling. Sometimes I do. Uh, every now and then uh, I'm like, uh, this is a little bit too much. And yeah, it, this is why I think gardening is such a fantastic outlet because of the calming effect it has. It's always been like that with me, whether it's picking out a tray of seedlings 
at home in the greenhouse with the radio on just for that precious 15-20 minutes just to again give you some clarity and stop all those things buzzing around in your brain and give you a little bit of time away and then you can think things through clearly and you've got you can prioritize and you can see all the wood from the trees essentially because you're just um calming yourself down and uh, as i say my greenhouse is brilliant for that my garden is great for that but yeah uh, going to another garden absolutely echo your sentiments it's such a wonderful thing to do very it's sometimes because when you're so busy you think well, i can't take time out it's ridiculous what on earth am i thinking but do you know uh, if you're feeling flustered take a little bit of time just to chill and reset that's what you're doing and uh yeah i feel very much better now than I did first thing this morning. That is, that is good news. <laughs> and with the bank holidays obviously coming up next week, uh, if you're in the UK, mm -hmm. that is. Uh, I know we've got a lot of international, but we've got two bank holidays because it's the Queen's uh, platinum, platinum jubilee of all of them. Very, very yeah, big one. On. So um, we have an extra mm. day off, which I'm sure a lot of us are probably going to go and enjoy in a garden or doing something gardening i definitely have got some gardening to catch up with at home well can i tell you what we're going to be doing because it's our village we've got a village fate going on and there's a dog competition oh. so lily is going to be entering the cutest eyes the waggiest tail and the best paw shaking so that will be my thursday <laughs> so. well, joe i was going to say i i would not suspect fingering ho knowing as it is would not have a big event are they closing all the roads is that what's happening and all well that i don't know maybe i think it's going to be lovely all the villagers are desperate to kind of get back again we're a very community-led village and obviously during covid that didn't happen and i think this is the first major major big event that we're gonna all get together again there'll be a lot of talking there'll be a lot of story swapping there'll be a lot of hugging going on and just uh i'm i'm really looking forward to it. i love living in a village where we all know each other it's such a joyous thing so i'm very much looking forward to thursday yeah unfortunately i live in a city very different <laughs> aspects <laughs> But uh, I'm going to go and enjoy some gardens, I'm sure, and enjoy yeah. a, cre a cream tea or two being in Oh, Durban. yeah. Now you're cream talking. Cream first, if you're listening, Bob. Cream first. Anyway, <laughs> talking about uh, talking about being quite busy, uh, we've been on the road a little bit for a few days and a major event, let's say a major gardening event, is occurring this week, and I'm sure not... Really? If, if you're in the UK and you've been uh, tuning to the TV or your garden, you can't help but know that the Chelsea Flower Show returned this week for the first time in three... Well, I say first time in three years. It was There was a Chelsea Flower Show last September, but it was a bit of a uh, a smaller show, different time of year. So it wasn't... It was a sort of Chelsea... Half a Chelsea Flower Show. So a proper one back in May for the first time in three years. And both me and Lucy are very privileged. Uh, I'm a committee member for the RHS, so I get tickets there. Lucy is a member of the press with all her writing. Uh, so she gets a, uh, a press pass as well. And we managed to get there on press day, which was uh, this last Monday. So Monday the uh, 22nd, uh, which was, it was great. It was really nice to get out and away again. I wouldn't describe it as relaxing. <laughs> But it, it was, was a bit different. Amazing! It? it was um, it was a smorgasbord of eye candy everywhere. Whether it be gardens, people's friends, whatever it is that you want to be, that, that you want to be looking at, it was in and in that sense a complete treat for your for your senses. And then just keep bumping into people and nattering. And we'll we'll, we'll talk about that more in a minute. But 
the amount of people we stopped and spoke to and caught up with was between you and I was uh, was great. That's pretty much what we did all day. We actually got to, I think it was about two, and the showground shuts at three for people like Saul and myself. Uh, we said, we haven't really seen the gardens yet. <laughs> so, so, and that's when you had your judging to do. So I did actually have that hour. And I, God, it was difficult because I still kept bumping into people and I wanted to chat, but I was like, I must see the gardens. I'm, you know, you, 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 and it is, to be fair, that time between two and three is quieter. And a lot of people have a very early start on Chelsea Press Day because the photographers yeah. can get in from five o'clock in the morning. And a lot of the press do that as well because you can then really get to see the gardens. So if you've travelled up the night before or you're local to London, that is something I would definitely recommend doing. I I'm didn't do that and I'm not local, so I got there at about 10. Uh, and by then the whole place was absolutely buzzing with people and excitement so yeah an amazing day yeah well it definitely it was definitely buzzing now before we start going into what we saw and what we enjoyed and what we didn't enjoy maybe a bit of critique i just want to uh just outline that the chelsea flower show for the and i know we have a few listeners abroad and i know we also have a few listeners who may not have ever heard of the chelsea flower mm-hmm. show i don't know where you've been but you know, it, there may be. Uh, Chelsea Flower Show is run by the Royal Horticultural Society, the RHS. It's uh, their largest flower show of the year. To be honest, it's probably the UK's most famous and largest flower show as well. Some people claim it's probably one of the largest and most famous flower shows in the world. You know, you can debate that as much as you like. But it's held uh, on the Royal Hospital ground at Chelsea, which is uh, a pensioner's hospital uh, connected to the the military um they have about about it's about four or five acres ground there which is turned into uh, a smorgasbord of gardens nursery exhibits trade stands all kinds of things related to horticulture and for many people it is the sort of highlight of the horticultural calendar although some of us could argue that we have other favorite flower shows we might go to that <laughs> later but chelsea is seen as as the big one and like I say, it's been three years. So I think everyone, there was a, I know there was a bit of a sense of anticipation, actually. A lot of people hadn't, hadn't actually even gone to the September one because there was, you know, we were still in COVID uh, worried, worrying times. So not a lot of people turned up. So this is probably the first time a lot of people had actually seen each other in the flesh rather than over the, the virtual mediums that we have these days. So I think you were right. There were a lot of people that just wanted to chat to each other. I probably saw, I think, about 30% of the show. So I feel really bad if I'm going to review it and haven't actually really seen much of it. It's going to be quite quite a, a curtailed uh, podcast. Highlights, but, or just uh, highlights. Yeah, highlights. Yes, highlights. Um, but next year, I'm deciding I'm going to go in a disguise. You know, I'm just going to go, I'm going to dress up oh. as some kind of cartoon I character. I should look forward to seeing that. And just walk around. <laughs> The fact that I'll still be with Lucy might give away who it is in the, in the disguise. Well, no. Who are those two folk? They were dressed up as uh, as hedges, weren't they? Do you remember? No, I Did you see one. them walking around the showground this year? So literally, they were completely... This is what we need to do. Oh, my goodness. What a brilliant idea for next year. They were literally completely head-to-toe, all the face-covered the works in um our, in hedging. Right. And they were just walking around <laughs> waving at people and it was hysterical. But of course, that yeah. could have been anybody. That could have been anyone famous just doing what we should have you've just come up with that idea there of um you know inconspicuously blending in. So well maybe not inconspicuously blending in, but at least not people don't know who you are. So that's that is it. 
That's our plan okay. for next year's so we'll just let everyone know that there'll be two hedges walking around looking rather suspicious. Yeah, and it will be me and Saul. Yeah, you won't be able to cook. That beard will still poke through the hedge. Well, that's the problem. Sure, that's so. the problem, isn't it? Our heights are quite distinctive. <laughs> yeah, mine won't. Mine won't poke through. I'll be all right. Anyway, <laughs> onto the flower show itself. So, um, like I say, I didn't really get to see a huge amount of it, but we did get to see a lot of a few of the gardens. You probably got to see a few more than I did um, after I, I went into judging. Hour. Yeah. Yeah. And then we went into the, we obviously did some looking around the floral pavilion as well, but. Um, it was nice to see uh, a few more numbers of show gardens. Uh, I will say, um, for those who don't haven't listened to the podcast before, I used to manage the show coming up for nine years ago. So it's uh, quite a bit of time. So I have a bit of an insight into uh, the sort of the, the, the construction of the site and how it sort of works. So it, it's great for me to go because I sort of remember where everything is and I can sort of guide us around. But the main avenue, which is the sort of the big road that runs down uh, the, the length of the showground, had all the big show gardens on. It was quite nice to see a fair few more show gardens than I've seen for quite a bit of time. Uh, there have been problems and there continue to be problems. And I'm sure it will continue to future with sponsorship. I think the days of the big sponsors that I remember from when I was doing it and years before uh, gone really. I don't think we're going to see the likes of the Telegraph or Laurent Perrier or some of the really uh, flashy gardens that have a lot of money spent on them, which is probably a good thing in the long run once they sort of figure out what they're going to do. But it was quite nice to see. I think there was about eight of out of the ten spots filled of the main gardens, which was quite nice. And uh, I did enjoy, I, there are some I didn't enjoy uh, as much as some of that I did. And the first one that I really enjoyed was Sarah Ebley's garden. She was in the prime spot um, that, at the end of uh, May now. Yeah, Avenue. that suited that water feature really well, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, that um, water feature yeah. was something else. At, um, we're not going to try and describe the gardens because you can go out there, they're online, the picture's online, watch the TV. But the that, wa- that water feature was very, was magnificent. But also her planting was fantastic. I really loved it. And she had some really big trees. There's a massive tilia line. One of the biggest <laughs> trees I've actually seen, if that was bought on site. It was huge. It was massive. Wasn't it? Um, yeah. I really, I, I've, um, Sarah Ebley designed a garden when I was show manager. She's done other gardens before. She always knocks them out of the park. She does a really good job. She's always got, I think she's very creative in doing different things which is what I always want to see in a show garden something a bit different that sparks my imagination but I really enjoyed seeing that garden yeah yeah one that really in the main avenue uh stuck out for me but it didn't do very well in the medals and I can I can I think I can see why um in my sort of limited experience of of what the judges might be thinking but it was the perennial garden with love designed by Richard Myers now that was the first garden that prompted me to get out my phone and take a picture. Okay. So that's my measure of why I thought it was really one that I, I thought was lovely. Uh, there was lots of uh, pleach trees and very sculptured trees in there. And then there was a, a lovely long rill and stonework. And then it was all underplanted with irises and alliums and lupins and foxgloves. And it was, I think it may be, it got a silver. Um, and I personally would have loved to give it more, but I think maybe the planting, I don't know why, I'm only surmising, maybe I I have seen that kind of style of planting in years gone 
by. And I wonder if now the judges are awarding medals to people who are, like you say, give, bringing new innovations. It it absolutely was beautiful. And if I could have lifted up that garden and put it in my own, I would have done. I think the colours, the, the 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 mood it set when you were there it was so tranquil. It, it was it's so restful and peaceful. And to me, that is a a wonderful thing for a garden to be. So I think Richard did a brilliant job and I do think he should have been given a, a, a higher medal personally. But um, yeah, I really, as I say, it, it stopped me in my tracks. So that's the sign for me of a good garden. So I agree with you there. I thought it's a really good show garden as well because the, the site view, if you're at the end, you can see what the garden was about, can't you? There were a few gardens mm. that you'd had to walk around a bit just to understand them a little bit more from different angles, which some people might think that's great. But actually when you're visiting a show you know very lucky on press day there's lots of room trust me on the visitors days if you get a chance to see a show guy it's usually from one angle it's usually trying to see it from behind someone's head or back so I think that garden was actually really well staged for a show I thought it was really nice and it also uh because it's for perennial perennial is a big charity for us gardeners it's a a charity that focuses on people that are having hard times in the career or need advice or just need some financial assistance. So from the point of view of Perennial, and I know they usually do an exhibit in the Floral Marquee, so at uh, the Floral Pavilion. So it's really nice of them to have a, a big garden to highlight that charity. What did you think of the silver? Yeah, no, I think it should have got a little bit more as well. Um, mm. Maybe, I don't know, silver gilt into gold. I don't know where their placing was. The the problem with the judging is that they, they know what the discussion is. So we only seal the medals. So you don't really know the criteria or how they've done it. But I know I agree with you. I think a seal was a bit on the low side, um, which is a shame, really, because it, it was a lovely garden. Now, the one thing I did notice in all the gardens is that we seem to have gone, apart from the best in show, which we'll talk about in a second, most of the gardens have gone back to more gardenesque or gardeny styles we mm. we've had this thing in chelsea for a few years now these uh or pastiches or recreation of natural sort of looking environments to make them look in a sort of garden setting but not really you know they're sort of recreations of landscapes or or naturalistic i thought this year uh lots of people went back to actually using garden plants you know proper planting stars that you could put into your board and I, and I thought that was quite nice because actually it is a sort of a flower show a garden show and you do want ideas to do back in your garden and although the, the, you know the, we'll, we'll talk about the one what the one very distinct wild landscape garden in a second but I think you know people do want ideas to take back to their gardens and those naturalistic gardens though they look great it's not something you can always recreate back in your own garden. Yeah, I think what they try, what the, that kind of planting tries to emulate is a, a meadow scheme because there's always lots of grasses and then there's pinpricks of colour throughout. And while the pinpricks of colour aren't provided off, always by native plants, often the designers will interject other things in there to, as you say, give a nod to the fact that it's a gardening show possibly rather than anything to do predominantly with conservation um that's that's what has happened in the past but yeah i we both noted and made a comment to get simultaneously the, the chris beardshaw garden you looked at that and the planting which is always great because chris is just top of his game uh was it was like a an old 
styled herbaceous border but you yeah. know beautifully so that lovely classic when i say old style that's not derogatory it's a lovely classic classic style and yeah i think that's great as you say that that's what's coming back in mm. because um it's gone full circle really in that sense you know we love our perennials yeah i do wonder if someone mentioned something to me after the show actually that i hadn't really thought about and that is sort of obviously brexit the pandemic getting plants from abroad which would have happened quite a lot at chelsea uh, back in the day was harder so i do wonder if the designers had a constricted palette of what they could find in the uk which actually i think may have done a good thing i think actually they've had to restrict their choices and therefore put together these schemes that you and i would could do because they got the plants from the UK nursery trade. Well, Jamie Butterworth actually supplied, I think there was a staggering statistic. I've been watching quite a lot of the television coverage and he was on last night for me, which was Wednesday night. This is now Thursday we're recording. And he supplied something like 20,000 plants for those show gardens. So I'm presuming most of those were grown on his nursery rather than him buying them in. So yeah, I think that's great that they are supporting UK nurseries and growers. Uh, I did notice... A massive swing towards white alliums as opposed to the classic purple. The white allium was everywhere. If I was going to say there was one right. Chelsea plant this year, and alliums are always a wonderful Chelsea plant. You've got alliums, foxgloves, lupins, roses, brilliant things with Chelsea timing. A white allium, which is, you know, it's, it's, it looked fantastic. It looked lovely and soothing and calming and wonderful. And that was, uh, yeah. So if Jamie supplied any of them, he did, he did well, I think. <laughs> so. Yeah, interesting. Now, let's go on to the best in show, because I think this has divided opinions a little bit. Um, So this was uh, designed by uh, Urquhart and Hunt. Uh, They're a design couple, and they built the Rewilding Britain Landscape Garden. And this was this was the recreation of a landscape that was affected by beavers. So uh, they had a beaver dam. They had the river. I think there was a little building in the background. You know, everything was a recreation of what you might see around uh, a beaver-affected landscape. So, in essence, it wasn't a true garden, but then it had reflected some of the gardens that we've seen previous from the likes of Dan Pearson and Tom Stewart-Smith and a few others. So it wasn't unusual, you know, that we'd seen gardens like that before. What was unusual, that is, it, it, I think it won Best in Show. Now, it wasn't my Best in Show, so, sorry to say, but it did win it. And I just wonder if that was, uh, I don't know, a indication of the fact that it did have these sustainability and um, sort of environmental messages at heart. I'm yeah. not sure. No, I, I, I'm with you on that. I think, like you say, as a concept, it was a lovely, brilliant, well-executed thing. It was, you know, that, I think that was mm. so fascinating to see um, that as a as a garden. Um, but yeah, that's the fact. Was is it really a garden? So I'm with, I'm I understand what you mean, and I'm I completely with you on that. I think maybe, um, possibly I don't know if they can if the RHS need to maybe look at the guidelines of what actually is a garden, or whether they're happy with with that and can go well. Yeah, do you know what? Uh, we're we're very content with the decision that was made because it was it was great, but uh, yeah, to to. The other gar- there were so many other gardens there that you could just lift and put into your own space, and that wasn't didn't fit that um, classic template. So, 
Yeah, I'm 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 with you. Yeah, on so we're not hundred we're not hundred percent sold, but still, congratulations to the team. And it's a great message. So I'm sure the fact that it's best yes, in show will put exactly. over that, especially you know with the media hugging onto it. Um, yeah. And make it good. Now, unfortunately, I didn't really. I did see the balcony gardens very briefly. Um, uh, they all looked really uh, sort of nice, I guess. I don't, the, the only thing I would say is that I did think that some of them looked like really heavy duty balconies. I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure if you go down. <laughs> London, yeah, no, they're just in high rise flats, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, exactly. I'm not sure if you go into London, half those balconies exist to be honest you know Sturdy. some of them actually look look like large courtyards guys you know what I mean oh, there I was see. a there used to be a courtyard um uh category at Chelsea there was a little bit of a blurring of boundaries between that but um they were all on the island bed which is interesting because the island's usually quite a prestigious garden slot so they obviously couldn't find someone to use that slot so they put all the balconies there I thought it was I thought it was a nice exhibit to show you what you could achieve out of balconies but um i did i didn't pay too much attention i must say but Don't you, you managed uh, i actually had to go off and do some uh judging of plants of the year but you actually managed to see the sanctuary gardens didn't you i did i loved the sanctuary mm. gardens because as you might have guessed by my conversation right at the start sometimes you need the garden to be a sanctuary and for me that is encapsulates what a garden in my mind should be somewhere calming and soothing and i think we all we all respect and appreciate that these days. So, yeah, I have a few. There were some small, smaller plots, and that was, um, they used to be called the Randley Gardens, didn't they? That's on the meandering yeah. walk, which is in amongst lovely established trees. So actually the whole setting there makes the show gardens feel very established and secretive and lovely. They're all kind of like snuck away in these little nooks and crannies. And one of those that I thought really, to me, um, again, maybe get my camera out and stop and stare, Kingston Moorwood College, uh, put together a garden designed by Michelle Brown and it was just simply called Space Within and I loved it. It was actually one that you couldn't see every single element from the front but you could see glimpses of it. It was very subtly right. done. It wasn't, you, your view wasn't blocked. It was, it was made intriguing and I think that's a brilliant skill. You could just see enough through these wonderful racemes of this white wisteria dangling over some lovely timber structures to see that there was this wonderful garden behind it. Like I say, it made you want to go in there. And uh, so I thought that was brilliantly, brilliantly designed. And then going to, there was some, also some larger sanctuary gardens, which I thought were, again, just beautiful. All of them, I think, were, were fantastic. A couple that made me stop and stare. There was Garden Sanctuary by Tony Woods and Out of the Shadows by Kate Gold. Uh, both those I could quite happily have just spent hours in looking uh, the the general style of these gardens is that there was not huge big trees but you know medium-sized trees that most gardens could take uh, there was a lot of cornice I noticed that they obviously flower earlier this year and that white coloring of, of cornice kusa is again very soothing and calming um, white was predominantly the main color actually for a lot of these planting schemes so like viburnum plicatum was there quite a lot um, there were lots of bearded iris flowering um, I say foxgloves, little kind of like or layers, all those lovely frothy flowers, and the fact that the garden was being used as a a, a space, a, a multifunctional space essentially because of lockdown and because of us all realizing that our spaces are so precious and so valuable. So we had all sorts of 
usable areas where you just needed to sit and have a little bit of time or go and sit and have a hot tub or go and sit by a wood sto burning stove or go and sit in a little sunken area which is all overhung by tree ferns all those ideas and concepts I think are brilliant because they're achievable and they're the kind of thing that people really would like you can recreate that in your garden you know I know it's Chelsea and I, but but you you still want to as you say take home ideas that you can recreate and I got loads of ideas from there. I, actually, the bottom of my garden, I am going to plant up in with some trees and shrubs and mixed plantings. I got loads of ideas of how to marry the underplanting with the trees. You know, you've got those different, like a forest garden, essentially. You've got the upper canopy, the lower canopy, and then really, you know, more ground cover plants. And I got some wonderful inspiration from there. So they were brilliant. Do you know, uh, something that isn't obtainable, and I, I didn't, like I said, I didn't get to see the sanctuary gardens, but the one garden I didn't want to see was the plantsman's ice garden or the plant was it oh, well, yeah. it's the one yeah, with the massive that. block of ice in the middle there's always weird i love chelsea because there's always some weird and wacky there's something that's just just you just you never see you you wouldn't see it in a garden you wouldn't see it anywhere else and basically this was designed by a guy called john warland who bought in a huge well i think it was multiple blocks but this huge cube of ice and has just let it melt over the whole show and apparently it's meant to signify the melting um, permafrost that's happening. And there's meant to be seeds in that permafrost that may germinate as they come out. And that's fascinating. There's a nice there's a nice story there. But, you know, there's no garden. But there was a garden built around it. I'm sorry, I should say that. But the, the fact that you just had this block of ice melting, it's just something that captures your imagination. I just think for some flower shows like Chelsea just needs a little bit of this weird and wackiness just to take you out of your comfort zone so I wish I'd managed to see that but I didn't well I saw it for oh. you and it was it was a huge big massive big block of ice it was phenomenal and as you you know there, as you say there were plantings around as well but it, honestly the ice dominated and you're like well I can't take that home I, there's, no, there's nothing I can do with that but as you say as a concept and as something just to get people talking and as again bring awareness to the press and the media and get people having these discussions about things yeah a brilliant thing to do I just want to very quickly add one favorite garden I thought of mine was um Joe Swift's he did the RHSB uh, That garden. was a feature, wasn't it? So technically not a, like we should say, it's technically uh, well, not yes. a garden in terms Sorry. of being judged, but it is a, not, it yes. is a, it was a garden. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the planting of that, I just, I mean, I know it's Joe Swift and he knows his stuff, but, uh, and he's a TV gardener, but he's a really good designer as well. And I know that, you know, it, it was just a, a, a wonderful, the, the colours, everything was so rich, you know, it was all meant to be pollinating, uh, sorry, pollinator attracting plants mm. and just... The, it got some lovely burnt oranges and deep burgundies and mauves. It was one of the few gardens that really celebrated colour. I think quite a lot of them this year were going for, like I say, quite muted whites. And he'd got this sort of like area where the public was standing right on the perimeter, kind of like the junction of the garden. Yeah. And the verbascums and asurciums and everything there just looked, oh, wonderful and again i just couldn't stop taking pictures of that so and i believe yeah. that garden's going somewhere eventually i'm not sure where it was going but that should be recreated somewhere mm. anyway we should go into the we've been, to, we've been talking <laughs> gardens we should really head into the, the the pavilion because all good plants people head for the pavilion first and 
the pavilion was i'm gonna say i'm in two minds about the pavilion because there was lots of really great stands you know the ones i got to see some really big stands as well and that sort of belies what was going on in the pavilion because there were only about 60 exhibitors when there's usually a hundred now this is probably again a symptom of the pandemic maybe financially a few things uh not quite suiting a few exhibitors so it was there was sort of a, a double edged sword for me and it was great to see some of the really big stands uh, uh, Kelnan, which is a nursery down in Cornwall which does all kinds of South African resto massive great corner stand full of great plants but in some places there was a there was sort of an emptiness towards some areas so it was a little bit of a, mm. a a mix for me now I didn't get to see it all again because I was dragged this way and that way by doing a radio interview but um you got to see a few things didn't you um I believe um well, Marshall's uh Terry and John Terry and John yep they'd done their magic again um yes like you say that was for the Marshall stand now so John Wheatley and Terry Porter are um, such a dream team together. I think they have such fun as well. They've known each other for a long, long time. Mm. Um, they Terry grows vegetables to an amazingly high standard. So he's the go-to for anyone wanting sh- uh, vegetables for a show garden. And John is, has got such a great eye for design. He's such a stickler for detail and getting things precise and brilliant. He loves his dahlias. Uh, so between them, they made this wonderful stand for marshals i'm like you actually i there was about two-thirds of the pavilion that i did not see which is why i've been watching quite a lot of the tv coverage but one stand that i did get to see uh was the jacquemond stand blew my mind blew my mind it always i do you know the jacquemond i i'm so mixed with them because sometimes you see their trade stands and they can look very commercial and you're like oh gosh but hang on you can do a really amazing job and they had at Chelsea, the Chelsea stand for Jacquemont was full of an amazing plethora of woodland plants, aracemas, uh, roscoeas, uh, but mainly orchids, mainly lots mm. and lots of orchids. And they had a big display of hippiastrums on the other side as well and all sorts of like, it was just amazing. The, the skill involved in getting all those plants grown and flowering and looking top quality and then putting them all together to look natural it was, yeah, you know, hats off. And then actually just watching the TV coverage, I've seen some wonderful things that I wish I'd seen in the flesh, some wonderful bearded iris nurseries, delphinium nurseries. And again, you get the the story behind how they actually grow everything and get it ready for the show. Hats off to every single person in that pavilion because it's it's such a pressure. You know, it really is. But you all, from what I could see, as I say, the area I saw, it all looked sensational i do understand what you're saying about it being slightly it felt spacious mm. i think that's what i'd say it, it it didn't feel crammed um so yeah maybe in like you say the next few years that might be addressed with a few more nurseries coming in but oh gosh you know the that is all the under that roof there are some amazing creative wonderful skilled i met just the best people just and to speak to them and get the chance to speak to them is, is lovely so i did do quite a lot of that <laughs> yeah i think i think hopefully lots of new nurseries i like to see some new exhibits from the you know it's great seeing all the people that have been doing it for years and years they know their craft everything looks so good but it'd be really great to see some new plant groups mm. represented i tell you one stand that i did very briefly see and i was so pleased to see with the barbados horticultural society ladies oh, coming right. across yeah, again no, i didn't 
uh, mm. you know, I was really worried. One thing, well, I'm not really worried. You know, worried that these international groups that really always bring a little bit of cheer to the whole place wouldn't be able to do it anymore, you know, coming over from Europe or coming from anywhere, really. So it was really nice to see them there uh, and bringing all their wonderful exotics well you know it's exotic so i'm not going to complain am i to go and see them um i have to say thank you to you saul because one thing that we both did at quarter past three once the show had closed was the amazing committee tea oh my goodness thank you so much for letting me be your plus one because i had the time of my life i don't know the yorich's committees very well and that's the whole point of being invited it's nice to be introduced to people and you were so lovely you introduced me to some members of the RHS fruit veg and herb committee and I didn't realize that Barbara Segal my lovely friend Barbara no, in Sudbury, I. I she's I, on the committee so that was fantastic to know that yeah what I did is that what she's really into because I don't uh, seriously I didn't she's very into she her herbs on, oh it's the herbs bit yeah because okay, she used to edit sense. the herb, the herb uh, society magazine ah. for many years so that was that's her her connection there right. yeah and yeah, and I, I also hope you noticed when I did my scones because there were some beautiful scones and I've never seen so much clotted cream in my life I didn't know what to do with myself <laughs> did you know but this is before you even prompted me yeah, I sorry. put the cream on first yeah. jam on top that got top marks with saw You're I right. think if I'd done it the other way around he'd have actually chucked me out of the uh, the market in the cream tea so thank god that is the my my natural inclination to doing uh scones but yeah it was it was wonderful so thank you very, very much for that. And I am, I am, because I'm mindful of the time, we need to wind up. I'm going to name drop one or two people, not because I want to name drop, just because though, I just, just to convey to you, this is such a surreal day. You know, yes, we're members of the press. Yes, we get to see celebs, but oh my goodness. Um, in the queue, getting into the show, it was, uh, I was about 10 o'clock and I joined the queue. I spoke to the lovely Charles Dowding and his PA for a good half an hour that was a joyful conversation I absolutely love speaking to Charles whenever I can and we we had half an hour to kill so we were nattering about all manner of stuff about work about life about friends family the the whole lot we talked about weather records he was quite impressed that I'd kept my weather records so that was that was great I'm very happy that in Charles's eyes I'm a I'm a I'm a keeper so that's wonderful um but then as we were standing there and I hope I don't embarrass her by saying this there was a couple of ladies trying to get through. We'd been standing there for half an hour because there was a, just a bit of a backlog. And this lady said, oh, would you mind if I just got through? And uh, of course, we all politely shuffled over and you just turn around to see who's going to be coming through. They obviously were trying to usher someone through. I turned to my right and literally by my shoulder was the marvellous Mary Berry. And I just caught her eye and she caught my eye. And she 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 did look a little bit sheepish as if to say, oh gosh, I'm, they're pushing me and I feel a bit embarrassed. And I just said, I said, after you, Mary. You know, what else can you say? It was, she was, it just turned to turn around and literally a foot away is Mary Berry. You just don't expect that to happen. And then at the end of the show, after we'd had this wonderful committee tea, we walked out, didn't we? And you were with me at this point. And there yeah. were quite a lot of police around and public at the, at the gate. And we, we knew something was, was up and it was up and it took an hour of standing and waiting, but I didn't mind in the slightest. Uh, the queen, the queen entered uh, with her entourage into the show. So we've got to see the Queen going into the show, which is wonderful. Do you know what happened, though? As I was videoing that, I got down to 3% on my phone battery. I thought, gosh, I've got to 
make sure that Ian knows what train I'm on when I actually get to Stratford and get uh-huh. home. And he phoned me when I was on the underground, which made my battery go flat. He didn't know poor love. He was just checking on me. So I had no phone battery. Oh, so I have to give a massive shout out to the lovely lady on Stratford train platform who I approached rather probably frightening saying, you look like a nice person. Is there any chance you could text my husband to let him know what train I'm on so he can pick me up from the station at Colchester? So she did that. I didn't catch her name. I didn't want to ask her name because I'd already given her all my details. It would have been a bit bizarre. But thank you so much for being a lovely person. That was um, that was a good end to the day. <laughs> so uh, if you're coming to Chelsea next year, two hints. Bring a phone charger. <laughs> that might work really well. But um, if you if you are coming to Chelsea next year, you know, come and say hello to us. We uh, will be in a, a hedge, like a plant pots and hedges. Comp- yeah, sort of like chain link, comp- but hedging. Yeah. Uh, you know, so if you see two of those wandering around, one has a beard, one has a pair of glasses, you'll know that's me and Lucy. But uh, I've got to say, we thoroughly enjoyed our day going out. And hopefully next year we'll both be committee members. Oh, and therefore... Sticky. We could get through the the special (laughs) gate rather than having to wait 40 minutes. Anyway, have a nice weekend gardening, everyone, and we will see you next week. With today's podcast at an end, we hope we've given you a glimpse into our respective gardening lives. Spring is such an incredibly crucial time in the garden, so stick with us over the coming episodes as we guide you through the key tasks of the season. Whether it's propagating seeds, planting up borders, Thwarting weeds or wielding those secateurs, we'll ensure your gardening season remains on track with our guidance and encouragement. And if you've enjoyed listening to us, we'd love you to leave a review via your preferred podcast provider or on one of our social media platforms. Interact with us via our Twitter accounts at GardeningSaul and at HeadGardenerLC. Lucy is also over on Instagram, again, HeadGardenerLC. If you feel so inclined, you can even support us at buymeacoffee.com slash talkingheads. Your support would mean so much to both of us. Spring offers some of the most exciting transformations. Within weeks, the muted landscape around us will become ever greener and more floriferous. We are in for an utter treat. So, until the next episode of Talking Heads... Goodbye! Goodbye!